What's going on, people? Welcome back to Keep It 111. My name is Andy, and as always, I'm joined by the other main man, Sanha. Hello, hello. Uh, today, guys, uh, we get what we're unfortunately going to have to talk about what happened last night. Yeah. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the NBA Finals, uh, Game Five. Um, it was played the Chase Center, and it was we have to say it was a tight game. Um, not at every junction in the game, but there were moments where um, it was really a toss up, and it ended up uh, falling in the Warriors' favor. Uh, the Golden State, the Golden State Warriors are now up three two in the series. They'll be playing Game Six at TD Garden on Thursday, and. That's going to be potentially a decisive game, but we'll talk uh, more about that in just a second. And if you stay tuned, we'll also get to talking a little bit about soccer. And you know we always talk about the EPL, and we'll definitely be talking about some of the transfer window business that's been going on now that the window has officially opened this past week. And we're going to talk a little bit about MLS. Um, Nothing too technical, but... (laughs) There is a headline that we do need to uh, we do need to address, I think. All right, Sanha, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Let's go. Where do you want to start? I mean, I don't know why you're so happy. First of all, because you also uh, didn't you pick the Celtics to win this? Like, I don't know what. Like, I don't know where you're getting all this energy. Wait, from, did man. I pick the Celtics to win? Yeah, you did. Did I? Yeah. I think you did. All right, you definitely did. All right, let's let's say that I no. did. Let's say that I did. I'm very happy because I feel so vindicated because Jason Tatum is not an elite star in this league. That's why. Well, okay. If you're <laughs> gonna use Game Four as an example or an exhibit of that, I'll take it. I think it's I think it's unfair to put game five on him. Like the the man shot five of nine from three. He shot fifty percent from the field. Listen, listen, listen. Like, listen. Listen. He scored twenty-seven points per game. It wasn't a great game. It wasn't a great game by his standards. But he wasn't, you know, there were other culprits on that squad that were sinking the Celtics in Jalen Brown, who we have been praising throughout the series. And I think we can all agree. um, It wasn't until like, you know, I think even this year that Jalen Brown was kind of thought of as 1B. And now we are starting to think of him as number two. And, you know, I think he's the biggest culprit. So, like, I'm not ready to. Well, here's what I'm going to say. I have faith that Jason Tatum is just gearing us up. He he's teasing us a little bit, but we're gonna we're gonna get to climax in Game Seven where he's gonna put up forty, and the Celtics are gonna take it in Chase Center and silence the crowd. Let's go. Listen to me. Listen. 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 I don't. I won't argue against that. Jalen Brown was the bigger culprit for Game Five than Jason Tatum. I'm not going to argue that, because he was pretty bad. But... Pretty bad? But... Zero for five from three. But, but, but... 
Kobe were in this situation, if another elite star were in this situation in a must-win game, in a must-win game in the NBA Finals, you got, you got, is this a must-win though? This, this is, a must, is this a must-win though? Did you know that an NBA what, Finals? Why is this a must-win? In NBA, why finals, is this a must-win? In NBA Finals series, in NBA Finals series, in NBA Finals series, whenever it's gone to be two-two tied in the series. The winner of Game 5 has gone on to win the championship 73% of the time. An overwhelming I mean, yeah, they have amount of the time. And, and, on top of that, the, the, and the biggest reason for that is what? Is what? Because you get another game at home. Well, that's just the benefit of having home court advantage yeah. in the NBA which Finals. 72% is not that bad. Which is why. It's not that bad. Which is it's not why, that bad. Which is why. Which is why they needed to. The Celtics needed to win this game. Because now the Golden State Warriors only have to win a game at home one time. The Celtics have to win well, both away and at home. Well, no. Let's take it one game at a time. The Celtics have done exceed, like extremely well bouncing back from a loss throughout this entire playoff. True. I have no doubt that they're going to take game six. Okay. So now we're going to game seven, and it's a toss-up. Why is it's this a must-win? It's not a must-win. It's, it's not a must-win. No, no, no. You're saying that you're saying game seven is a toss-up? Just like you're saying that game six is a guaranteed win for the Celtics. This is outrageous. This is outrageous. I mean, Sanha, I'll, I'll, I'll present it to you from this position. You are a neutral. So am I. I am a neutral. It's easy, uh, easy for a neutral fan to look at, you know, let's say, oh, we, we have a 75% chance to win this game. And for a neutral fan... It's very easy to just say, wow, that's that's a very overwhelming, you know, favorable, you know, probability-wise, it's extremely favorable. It's easy for us to sit here and say that. Why don't you ask the fan of a team who ha- who has their skin in the game what they think about 75% and ask yeah. them if their buttholes are relaxed? Because it's not. <laughs> They're not relaxed. And, and that's what a toss-up is. That is what a toss-up is. Their buttholes are clenched. And this is, and, and and that is, you know, that's how you know. We're talking about 70, what, 73% you said? 73% is not going to comfort me if I'm a fan. Not at all. Listen, I'm not even, I'm going to call it right here. I'm going to call it right here. Warriors and six. I'm calling it, I'm calling it right here, right now. Warriors and six. The Celtics do not win another game in this series. Wow, wow! I can't believe you just said that. That you're out of your you're out of your mind, dude. I'm not. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind right now. I'm calling my shot right now. Yeah, and your shot is about as good as Jimmy Butler's last shot in Game oh, Seven. Oh my! It's gonna come up short. <laughs> You're just gonna hit 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 iron right face first into the iron. Like, what are you talking about? That is, like, nope. there is no evidence for you to think nope. this. Like, historically throughout these playoffs, the Celtics have 
been extremely good bouncing off L's. Look, you know this. I saw, I saw the evidence in game five. I saw the way the fucking Boston Celtics played in that game, despite the fact, despite the fact that every single starter on the Golden State Warriors, other than Clay Thompson, did not make a single three-pointer the entire game, despite the fact the Celtics still went ahead and lost this game. Not only that, but the Golden State Warriors, they haven't figured it out. They haven't figured it out. The Celtics, their entire offense, it's pretend we're going to the back, pretend we're going to the rim, pass it outside for the three. You know why? That's all they can do. You know why? Jason Tatum can't finish at the rim. Um, unbelievable. That's just how if you really, that's if, how you, if you really think, oh, so game five is a great, it's, Game five is a great exhibit. You really think that the Celtics are going to come back to their home court in TD Garden with the fans? You know how crazy Boston fans are. I know. I've been there as an away fan in TD Garden. I do. It is a hostile crowd. It I is know. a hostile crowd. I know. I and you're and you're saying and you're saying that Game five is exemplary of the Celtics' performance in home court. You think zero for twelve to start the game from three is going to be what's going to happen in Game six? You are out of your mind. Did you watch Game you're four? Did you watch game four? Are we all just ignoring that game four happened? Are you ignoring the fact that game six, this is gonna be the biggest stakes? You really think that Thompson and Jamon Green, you know, these these guys who have revealed themselves to be divas, saying that the fans have no business saying this and that, <laughs> you think they're not gonna be shook? They're gonna 100% be shook. They're not ready for this. This is not Cleveland. This is not Cleveland. This is not Cleveland. This is Boston. Listen, listen. It's gonna be it's gonna be Golden State in six. You heard it here first. We're not even gonna watch a game seven. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be in game I'm gonna be watching game six nice and relaxed, knowing that the Golden State Warriors have outclassed and have figured out the Boston Celtics. I relaxed and knowing that Steve Kerr has has gone leaps and bounds above Udoka. In, in coaching his team and making adjustments. I'm going to sit there and be relaxed knowing that Steph Curry just had the worst shooting. He, I think he... This is the first time in 233 games in Game 5 that he didn't make a 3 for the entire game. I am going to sit back and relax and watch Steph Curry come back from that and go 45% from 3. Oh my, I am, I am so ready. I am so ready for Jason Tatum fans and stands to just get slapped down. Oh, I'm, I'm so ready. I'm so ready for Jason Tatum to go, like, this guy, this man's going to go 25, 10, and 6. I'm calling it right now. 25, 10, and 6 in a must-win game at home in an elimination game. And they're going to lose. That's just how it's going to be. You know, you're right. Curry's going to make threes. But it's not going to matter because Wiggins is not going to put up 26. I also don't think Klay Thompson is making five for 11 in game six. I don't think that's going to happen. Why? Because Klay Thompson is soft and he's shook. He's shook oh, by the Boston oh, fans. And you know what? At some point, at some point in the third quarter, third quarter, like Warriors are going to be up by like five or something. It's going to, they're going to be up by two. And then Jordan Poole's going to make some ridiculous circus shot. And then, you know, Boston fans are going to get really irate 
someone's probably going to pour drinks on Clay Thompson or something like that. Clay Thompson uh-huh. gets absolutely ignorant and like he's oh, going to be rattled. Like, he's not going to make a single shot. Biggie, he's not going to make a single shot. Speaking of Clay Thompson, did you see that video of that guy? Um, it's this like YouTube guy who. Um, he, he like big dos yeah big dos went on the court <laughs> went on the court like acted like he's clay thompson shot around for like a straight 10 minutes before they before they realized that this guy ain't clay thompson <laughs> <laughs> wait is that actually what happened no i i saw that clip and i, I and i thought that had to have been well wow. according to him according to him what happened is he just walked through where the players would walk through None of the security guards even questioned, even questioned what he was doing there. He just walked straight through where the players would go through, onto the court, and shot around in warm-ups on the court for about 10 minutes before they realized that this guy was not a player. And he probably, like, just um, wasted, like, I don't know, thousands of dollars. 10K, 10K. For a public stunt. For a public stunt, that's probably going to make him more, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's banned forever that's, that's from, funny. The, from the arena. That's so funny. Because I, 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 he looks really tall, but, like, is he, like, 6'5", though? I mean, maybe. Like, Clay Thompson is, like, 6'5", or something. Uh, he must be, like, 6'5". Like, it's hard to mistake, you know what I mean? He's 6'5". If, uh, he's 6'5". Wow. Yeah. Uh, that, that's That's funny, though. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. He does look like Clay Thompson. Yeah, he, he does. Really does. He really, really does. It's so funny. Like, like, Clay Thompson got a little fat, like a little chubby. Yeah, That's yeah, exactly yeah. Exactly what he would yeah. look like. <laughs> yeah, Clay Thompson's Clay Thompson's got a like a bony facial structure. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the only difference. You no, know, it's, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty. Okay, anyway, let's let's get back. Okay, let's talk about Andrew Wiggins a little a little bit. Let's talk about how the career of Andrew Wiggins has been so, like, fascinating. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a first overall pick go from, like, such a big disappointment to NBA All-Star starter. Like, I don't think that that's ever happened. Like, not in my recollection. Like, I don't ever remember that happening. And the thing is, he's become such a good player, like, overall. It's not just, like, he, I, maybe he doesn't live up to, like, the first overall hype. But, you know, he, he doesn't play like the, the young, like, scrawny, skinny player that he was when he first entered the league. Um, you know, he, he plays much bigger than that because he's a big guy. He's a big guy. He's like, what, 6'8", with a huge wingspan. Um, he's a big guy. Like, he, he can go up, finish at the rim. He can defend extremely well because he's extremely athletic. And I already mentioned that his wingspan is... Is, is phenomenal. And then on top of that, he's added to his game the ability and the willingness to go up and fight for rebounds. Because yeah, this guy's 6'9 and he has what, like a like a four foot vertical? Like, Jesus Christ, he can get like he can get so far off the ground. He should be, and that was one of the biggest complaints of the Timberwolves staff when he was um in Minnesota, that like this guy has the physical ability to get rebounds. But he's averaging three or four a game because he's just not trying. He's just not trying. He doesn't. He's not willing to do it. But at Golden State, and clearly you saw it in Game Five, like this guy is willing to go in, you know, rough house, jump up, get the rebounds, and impactful rebounds too. Not just like you know, gimme rebounds, right? 
impactful rebounds that lead to either more points or um, lead to a non-offensive rebound for the other team. So, like, this guy has really rounded out his game, I think, has become a really, really good two-way player. Um, and I think the most important thing is that he's improved for throughout the playoffs. Like, these, these playoffs, he's a better player now, today, than he was when he first entered the playoffs. And, and I think that's, that's a really... Um, like a key point for us to us to consider because this is how you grow. You grow in the big moments. You grow in the playoffs. Like you grow playing against the best competition in the highest intensity moments. And he's lived up to it. And I'm like, I, we got to give him his props, man. Yeah, like, um, and when he first came into the league, right? Um, he was like you said, just a high flying, athletic style player, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I think he's he's he started to he started to shoot the three better. He's starting to mold himself to not be like, you know, this guy who just sticks to what he's good at, but also is, you know, attentive to the climate of the NBA, which is super important if you want to just be, you know, if you want longevity in this league, you can't just you know, do rely on making dunks and playing athletically because that's just not good enough. You have to you have to be able to play to a system and be compatible with, with the modern day system. You're going to have any kind of longevity. And yeah. he was drafted in 2014. And I think, that, I think the reason, like for me, it's, it's interesting. I've actually never like considered him at any point, definitely not a bust at any point. Mm. And at any point, I, I don't, I, I wasn't really sure to like say whether he's a disappointment either, mm. because I think it's a little bit sobering. If you think about the fact that the guy picked right after him, Jabari Parker is even worse and so maybe that's always like like what I've compared him to. I've, I've always compared him right to Jabari Parker and Joel Embiid. And I said, okay, Joel Embiid is better, but also Joel Embiid is very injury prone. But Wiggins is, he stays on the court. He's not as good as Joel Embiid when Joel Embiid is playing. And he's definitely better than Jabari Parker. So I thought, you know, okay, maybe the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers definitely would have taken Joel Embiid in hindsight. But, you know, you, you, can't, you can't be like perfect in every single... Um, draft uh w- with every first overall pick and i'm looking at the 2014 you know draft class and it's mm-hmm. a pretty interesting class because it has some it has a lot of like it has a lot of like you know swing and misses but it also has like really exceptional talent nikola Jokic, joel Embiid, you know randall if you want to put him there zach levine marcus smart and then andrew wiggins and then from there it kind of falls off yeah right jabari yeah. parker Aaron Gordon, I think, is not like, you know, he's just an average player, right? Yep. Dante Exum, bust. Stoskis, not really living up to it, right? Alfred Payton, not living up to it. Doug McDermott, not living up to it. Sarsh, not living. So it, this is, this is a, it's, a, it's a draft class where I think, you know, there were a lot of landmines. And considering, you know, considering that, and of course, Wiggins was kind of a, like one of the consensus picks. It was either him, Jabari, or Joel Embiid. You know, I, I don't think it's it, it, it was a horrible pick. I guess if you redrafted it, if you redrafted it, I think we can both agree that Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic should be going one and two. Yeah, right? yeah. In whatever order. My question to you, man, is now that you see this side of Andrew Wiggins, do you like him better than Zach Levine? Mm. I think I do. I think he's a much more so one i think he's a much more uh, capable defender than levine is or will ever be 
um, just because his physical attributes are just on another level, right? Like he is, if you, if you're ranking just physical attributes of NBA players, he's in like the first class, like the first tier, like, well, may, may, maybe second tier after like LeBron and Zion, but like, <laughs> but like, he, <laughs> but he's like, right, but like, cause all yeah, and like, and the Giannis, Giannis, yeah, Giannis yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like, so like outside of like people who are just like magic Johnson level, just like super freaks, he's in like that, that, that next class. Um, of of athleticism and, and physical attributes. So, like from a defensive standpoint, you got to really give it to him. And, and he's he's proven these playoffs that he can be a very high level defensive player. Um, so much so that like he can stay in front of guys like Luka Doncic um, over the course of the series. So that's number one. Um, number two, I don't think that Levine is that much better of a three point shooter than Wiggins is at this point. Like, I think Wiggins has really worked on his three-point shooting. And if you look at his numbers, they're really, really good. His three-point shooting is well above 40% um, in, in these playoffs. Like, he's been he's been fantastic. Um, so, like, in that area, then, like, you could argue that that would be the place where Levine has the edge. But I don't even think that he has that much of an edge there anymore. And then you just have to, like, give up, like, Wiggins the... Uh, like he has the height on him, right? So he can better rebound. He can guard more people, uh, like a, a larger gamut of players than um, than Levine can. So, yeah, I, I in my head, like there's no question that I would take Wiggins over Levine. Not to say that Levine is like like way below Wiggins, right? And that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, like, if it, if you have like a star chart, right? Of of like the different attributes for an NBA player, I feel like they're close, but Wiggins is like above Levine in like almost every category. I mean, above in a lot of categories. I mean, but there's one thing, right? Levine has done, and it is kind of a loaded. It is a loaded comparison for sure. Uh, is that Levine, champion? Levine. <laughs> Dunk contest, dunk contest champion. Oh, well, I mean, at the same time, I don't think like we never got to see Wiggins, you know, like yeah, uh, really give it his all because I think Wiggins would have gave him a run for his. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, why not? Like, like, just, like, just, he's just one of those guys, and we just didn't see him, like, because because yeah. also he was just a higher profile kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. coming in the league, hundred percent. I, I so you just don't see guys like him, right? Um. <laughs> You're gonna. You're not gonna see first overall picks um, go for that, and if they do, it's gonna be a huge deal, right? Yeah, um, yeah. But Andrew Wiggins has never scored more than 20, 24 points per game in a season. True. Levine's been doing that for the past three seasons, True. but it's on a markedly weaker team. Yes. And it's yeah. not like the Chicago Bulls are bad, right? The Chicago Bulls were a competent team this year, but they were also kind of just milking off weaker opposition yep. kind of felt like they were, they were a pretty, they're just a classic case of pretender. Um, because the fact, the reality is, is the, you know, for the Bulls fans, it was, it's like a cold shower just like hitting you is that <laughs> you can't succeed if you have DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine as your best scorers. Exactly. Right. So yeah. It's just, it's just not good enough. Right? Yeah. For sure. And so, yeah, it, it, Levine is a tough case because he's, I think he's blossomed. He has blossomed for several years now. And for I think sure. we very well expect him to be a mid-20-point scorer 
um, in this league, yeah. which is really a respectable, you know, um, that's a respectable profile already. Sure. And it's just interesting because Wiggins has evolved so much since joining the Warriors. And it's like, if you, at, and as long as he's on this team, he's never going to hit those scoring numbers. Yeah, yeah. That's just 100%. never going to be his role. And so it, it is kind of a loaded comparison. I don't know, actually, um, who I draft first. Um, I, feel like, I feel like drafting Wiggins, to say that drafting Wiggins earlier right now would be a little bit of a recency bias, to be honest. I mean that that may be true. I don't know. That may be true. That I, I think that may be true, but I just I'm one of those guys that just loves physical attributes. And That's I awesome. yeah, I just like I, I, I know that I have a bias towards those guys, but it's also because like you can't teach height. You can't you can't teach wingspan. Those are those are not things that you can teach a player. Like you you're born with it or you're not. So like I, I just tend to if it's close, I tend to favor the players that have the physical attributes that you cannot teach. It's just, it's just, it's inherent to how they were born. Can I say? Yeah. No, I, I, it's um, and the thing is, is Wiggins is at an age where like, I mean, this should we we should be seeing his prime now, but you know, I could see him playing even better next year. Um, than he is now. Yeah, yeah. Because 100%. I think, because the thing is, is you know, it's there's diminishing returns, right? When somebody becomes better and better at the same craft that they've been good at, but when somebody is like you know adding new things into their arsenal, you're gonna see a lot more incremental improvement. And so, sure. I think he's at a phase where he's kind of morphing his game and improving it that way instead of becoming better at being athletic, which is like. There's only so much you can do there. Yeah, but yeah. he's adding, you know, defense. He's adding, you know, you know, hustling on the rebounds, like things yeah. like that. So, um, it, it will be an interesting conversation to like revisit. And I'll say one more thing about Levine too is that although I did say that, you know, he's a good scorer on a mediocre team, you know, at the same time, a lot of times what you'll see with you know. Uh, players who end up on mediocre teams and like putting up really good like per game numbers is that you're going to see really bad efficiency yep. because they're 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 just there's nobody else who's going to take the shots except them. Yep. But it wasn't the case for Levine last year, right? He scored over like, he was shooting over fifty percent from the field and over forty percent from three. It's granted only for about sixty games, but he was getting thirty five. Pretty good. He was getting good volume. Yeah. yeah. And he was scoring, you know, he was scoring twenty five plus that season. Yeah. He was almost 50, 40, 90 club. Yeah. If he was just better at shooting free throws a tiny bit. So he's still doing it on really good efficiency. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are like two, I think, interesting comparisons. And, but yeah, without a doubt, I think Wiggins turns out, turned out to not be the best of his class. But, you know, a lot of times the first overall pick never really does. For sure. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I'm not saying like it was a bad pick by the, uh, by the deals, like by any means. I, I think, like, I can understand the pick. I just don't think that he lived up to the hype of being first overall. Like, Obviously, it's a it's a high it's a high feeling to kind of try to live up to. Um, but yeah, in any case, um, so we talk about Wiggins. We we got we got to talk about we got to talk about Jason Tatum, man. We got. <laughs> I well, what is there to talk about? I I I I. I what do you, you know? mean? This guy. Oh man. I'm biding my time, man. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> 
wait, 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 wait. So you're, 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 are you still going to tell me, we're going to go back to what you said last time. Are you still going to tell me that at this point, if the Celtics win and Jason Tatum wins the NBA Finals, you're ready to put him in top tier of NBA players? The way that he's played in the first five games. Here's the thing. I will. I will. I will. I, I will. I will. But it, it's more complicated than that. Okay. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say like, because here's the thing. Because you're it, it, the follow-up question. You're gonna be. You're gonna incredulously ask me. Well, if he puts up 15 points or 20 points for game six and seven, and they end up winning, are you still really gonna do that? Of course not. But the reality is he's going to score more than that. And that's the only way that the Celtics get out of this series with the W. And I believe that he will do so. There is no way that the Celtics are going to win this series if Jason Tatum is putting up 20 points, 15 points, having, having like, you know, no, 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 laying but, a but, goose egg. But he can, he, but they, they, can, they, can gonna... they can win with him playing the way that he's played for the last five games. Because they've won two out of those five games. I, I believe that they will be able to win with him scoring, yeah, something in the neighborhood of 25, 25 game yeah. six. I, I, I believe that that will happen. But in game seven, in Chase Center, Tate is going to have to score 35 plus. And he will, damn it. But God damn it, is that one game really enough for you to put him in, in, in the top tier category? Game seven. Chase Center, the nah, Golden State nah. Warriors. Nah, 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 nah. Steve Kerr. Nah, nah, nah. Steph nah. Curry. Nah. Clay Thompson. The Splash Bros. Draymond Green. Truly nah. the Goliath in the NBA. Nah, nah. And if Jason Tatum leads the Celtics, he will be the David to that story. And you know, that is not that. You will. You will really emotionally sonha like have a change of heart when you witness it let me because it's going to dawn on you what an undertaking it is to take down the golden state warriors in their territory in a game seven let me explain to you what a tier one player is all right let me explain to you in this series in this series through five games the number one scorer for the Golden State Warriors is Steph Curry with 30.6 points a game. The number two player is Wiggins with 18. All right, now let me go to the Celtics. Lead scorer is Jason Tatum with 23 points a game. But that's not, that's not the indictment. The indictment is who's number two and how close he is. Jalen Brown, 21 points a game. A two-point difference between him and Jalen Brown versus a whopping 12-point difference between Steph and the number two option on his team. This is, this is the gap. This, this, Steph Curry is what a tier one player looks like when they're on their team. Like, you could go back, go, go back in history to all the NBA Finals teams and all the great tier one players that we had. This is what it looks like. Steph Curry is what it looked like. It did not look like Jason Tatum. It did not look like this. Who is the last tier one player who 
even when even when LeBron and AD won the finals, even LeBron elevated to a higher level, like relative to AD, than Tatum is doing relative to Jalen Brown. This is not tier. This is not tier one play. This ain't it. This ain't it. What 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 did you say? He's actually twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, look. Okay, game six. He <gasps> scores thirty. That's gonna bring it up to twenty four. Game seven. He scores like forty. That's gonna bring it up to twenty seven. That's up there. Let's go. <laughs> what? Season in the regular season, just in the regular season, this is the NBA Finals. What do you mean? That's okay. Oh yeah, just play like you did in the regular season. That's fine. That's what the best players in the league do. It's ridiculous. Blasphemous. Blasphemous. Sauna. Sauna. Blasphemous. Let's let's think about this. The reality is, is when is the last time? An NBA team won the championship without a tier one player. And what makes you think that the Celtics would be an exception if they were to win it this year? Truly. When is the last time an NBA team won an NBA championship? We came out of that series thinking that team doesn't have a tier one player. Dallas Mavs, Dirk Nowitzki. Do you consider him a tier one player? Maybe at the time you didn't. Maybe you thought like he was like, I don't know, right there. No, I think he was. I think he was. Right? I think he was. LeBron, Curry, Giannis, Kawhi, not tier one? Nah, it's gotta be, you gotta go back to um the uh Kobe? No, 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 the 0304 Pistons. Oh, yeah, 20 years ago, huh? 20 years ago, huh? It's happened. It's happened, no? It's happened. The 0304 Pistons. And and who who did they win against? The Lakers. Like, the the good Lakers team. The three-peat Lakers team. They took them down. That's not so dissimilar to what we're seeing right now. Two tier one players. Holy shit, the Lakers have two tier one players. 20 years ago, Sana. Oh, my. 20 years ago. 20 years ago ain't that long. Ain't that long ago, man. Sana, Sana, you know. It was so long ago. So long ago that at that point, we were sitting in the classroom eating Lunchables. That's how long ago that was, man. Listen, That's how long ago. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, it wasn't so that long. It wasn't. It wasn't so long ago that LeBron James wasn't playing in the league. LeBron James was still in the league twenty years ago. I mean, yeah, that he, that was his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. That was rookie. It ain't that long ago. That was his... It ain't that long ago. He's still playing. I uh, what? Well, we're gonna return. We're gonna return to this. Uh, to this location same same time next tuesday <laughs> we're gonna have a champion and we're gonna have a champion i don't know i don't know my opinion is not gonna be changed my opinion is gonna be the same 
That this guy ain't a terrible player. He just ain't it. He just ain't it. Well, you know, Sana, well, actually, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this next Tuesday. I mean, we got to, I got to see when the championship parade is going to be in Boston. I might have to, I'm not even a fan, but I might have to join in on the festivities. Outrageous. Just to, outrageous. Just, uh, just to lounge, just to lounge and just enjoy it the fact outrageous. that I'm going to be right once again. All right, man. I, I, I believe, I, I, I rest my case. Jason Tatum going to go for 30. Game six, 40 game seven. Boston Celtics are going to break the hearts of the San Francisco crowd in Chase Center, which honestly, let's be honest, I, I'm not too upset about it anyways. I mean, who cares? The, the tech bros in the Chase Center, they don't really care. Let's go. I'm telling you, man, it's over. It's over. It's over. Not only is it over, not only is it over, but Jason Tatum is a tier two player in this league. You ain't going to change my mind. Oh, uh, tell me that your mind is not changed after Jason Tatum scores 40. I will. I will tell you. I will tell you that. Well, Jason Tatum is going to score 40. He's going to have the the night of his life. The night of his life. And I'm going to say it was one game. It was one game out of seven. Get out of here. It was one game out of seven. You had seven opportunities. You had Seven opportunities to do it, and you did it one time. Please, in the decisive game. Please, in the decisive Please. game. Please, one. It, it wouldn't even got it there. You take one performance before. in game seven. If you take one performance in game seven over good performance from game one to six, game no, seven is yeah, what matters. Yeah, and then if, if, you, if, and if you get that, if you get that, it erases everything that happened in game one to six. Let's go. That's outrageous. That's absolutely outrageous. Oh my god. That's like saying that, you know, that's like okay listen 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 that's like saying Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl once and no that makes him an elite quarterback. What about all the other games that he played in his career? What happened in those oh, games? Don't, don't try to compare football to basketball. You know it's a different. Jason, sport. you heard it here first. You know it's Jason a different Tatum sport. It's the Joe Flacco of the NBA. Okay, that's too far. Um, but, um, <laughs> no, that, that's going to be clipped. That's going to be clipped. <laughs> and your podcast career is going to be over next week. All right, all right, all right. That went, I went too far. I, went, I was too hyped. I was too hyped. I was too hyped. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that Jalen Brown is a higher plus minus than Jason Tatum in the series. Uh, it wasn't the case. Uh, it wasn't the case uh, last night. Uh, we really needed Jalen Brown to be here, and he was not. Um, That's because he's been here every other day of the series. This is this this is too much. Man. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's move on, so, guys. Guys, this is what I have to deal with every week. So I'm not just never will concede. But it's not a conceivable thing. It's not a conceivable point. Uh, it, it will be. It will be. It will be. All right, all right. Next, be. next week, we're gonna call. We're gonna call up Stephen A. Smith and ask him. Ask him what he thinks. You're gonna. You're gonna tweet at him. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna tweet and ask him. I'm gonna ask him straight up on my podcast. I said Jason Tatum is not a tier one player. Do you agree? <laughs> well, uh, well, we're we're gonna find out. All right. All right, my man. Let's talk about some soccer, mate. Let's I do it. To... <laughs> I need a chip. I need a chip. Jeez.
Ooh, sheesh. Okay. Transfer market opened up. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a little bit early, obviously. We don't have a lot of confirmed um, stories. Uh, big one, of course, Darwin Nunez, uh, forward for Benfica, moving to Liverpool for, what was the fee? I, I imagine it was big. I don't even, was it even disclosed? What is it? Uh, Nunez is 60, 60 mil or something, right? 60 mil? I no, eight, 85. 85, 85 mil, according to. Yeah, uh, 85 oh, wait, dollars mil. Dollars or euros? Euros. 100 euros. 100 euros, 85 pounds. Oh my God. That is a lot. Yeah, of dude. It's, it's huge. I mean, he was like their number one target, right? I mean, yeah, and just he like, has to be. He had, he had 26 goals and 28 appearances. That's nuts. Yeah, and he's 6'2. He's He's South American. Ah, uh, yeah. He's a forward. Beast. He's buff as hell. Yeah. Like all the all the all the physical attributes right checked out. And I think and he's still young. that's gotta mean, right? Yeah, he's 22. He's 22. Yeah. It's 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 a re- I mean, that's about as expensive as a player is gonna get, like in terms of like situationally speaking, excellent performance in a league that is, you know, somewhat respectable. The Portuguese yeah. league is I mean, there's worse, right? And Really good, excellent physical attributes. Age is good, you know. And this has got to mean, right? And no surprise, even without Darwin Nunez coming in for Liverpool, there were there was noise coming from the Liverpool camp about Sadio Mane wanting to leave. Yeah, yeah. And even Mohamed Salah is not a. It's that's that remains to be a a, a, res, a a situation that needs to be resolved, right? Yep. And so. Darwin Nunez coming in. I mean, it's got to mean that Sadio Mane is definitely out, right? Mane is absolutely out. Uh, I mean, it, it's yeah. a little weird because they kind of don't exactly play the same position, right? Um, Mane, I mean, Mane was playing centrally like a lot this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, I mean, you typically think that like it's gonna be like Diogo Jota and uh, Firmino are, are you're going to be your nine typically on 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 most days. But I, I in either case, like. Um, in either case, yeah, I, I 100% think that, like, I, I thought Mane was leaving either way, whether or not they signed another forward, um, but yeah, 100%, Ma- Mane's gone, and, um, it, the, the rumors for him are that it could be Munich, it could be Bayern. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like, it's one of those things that, like, Mane doesn't have any beef, mm-hmm. it's not about the money, mm-hmm. The success is already there. Obviously, Liverpool's won literally every single trophy that there is to win yep. uh, while he was there. And he just wants a challenge. He just wants a different challenge. I mean, could you imagine just having, like, one of the best jobs in, like, world football as a player? You know, a shoe-in starting 11 for a side that is considered one of the best in the world, maybe... Yep. You know, like definitely like top three in the world, yeah. And just saying that, man, I need a change of scenery. Like, I mean, I, I can't even imagine uh, what 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 he's going through. Me neither. But I mean, you know, I, I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense. I think Liverpool also, uh, I, I think they want to get a little younger, uh, because you know they're 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 OG top three, right? Firmino, 
uh, Sala and, and Mane. Those, those were kind of the OG. They're all over 30 now. They're all 30. Um, they're all 30 plus. Right. And so, you know, you, you had a lot of success with these three, but they're slowly, like it started with Diogo, right? Uh, there's, and Luis Diaz. Uh, they're slowly starting to bring in these younger players to prepare for like that next generation of Liverpool stars. And I think Nunez is just like another, another element to that. And, and sending out Mane is, is a way to recoup a little bit of the money, right? And, and, and give your younger players uh, a more opportunity for, for playing time um, with, with Mane's absence. Right, yeah. Yeah, it definitely felt like even before Nunez came in, Sadio Mane's out. But um, I think Salah was, I think, going to be the, the question. And I, think I, and I had a feeling that, and I think this is what's going to happen, is they're going to just throw a lot of money at Salah. And just suck it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was going to be the one of the two that Liverpool end up keeping. Yeah, and 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 I think that they will keep him. Um, it's it not. I and I also don't think that he's like a guy who's like obsessed with money. I think they just need to show him that like that they respect him. <laughs> like give him a respectable deal. They don't have to give him the biggest deal like in the world, right? Um, but just give him. I think he wanted the biggest deal. Yeah, he wanted the biggest deal that Liverpool's ever had. Ever had. Yeah. That's what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which like, he wanted. He wanted to be a guy that changes the wage structure. Right, right. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, if it's the biggest, if it's the biggest that Liverpool specifically has ever had, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. If it's the bigger, like, biggest in the world, let's let's uh, pump the brakes. <laughs> let's oh, no. He's definitely not making Mbappe money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool exactly. will kindly tell him to screw off. Yeah. <laughs> they will kindly tell him, no, thank you. No, thank you. Newcastle's um, right across uh, the, <laughs> the country. <laughs> you can go join Everton with all, of the, uh, with all of the other age stars. Yeah. Um, In any case. Yeah, but I... I I think it's going to be interesting to see a guy like Darwin Nunez because it, like Klopp, I've always associated a Klopp-backed Liverpool squad to always play with not a big target man. Yeah. Like uh, Darwin Nunez. Even like Firmino, to me, is like, he's kind of a finesse kind of center forward. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And same with Diego Jota, who was quite a lot last year. And Sadio Mane, who was employed a little bit centrally this year, I think this is like the first time I think we're going to see Klopp with like a good starting caliber center forward. So like yeah. not like a Divock Rigi, like straight up like a like a like a baseline starting eleven that includes a target man who plays physically classical style, like a Harry Kane, you know, yep. uh, like a Harry Kane, even like a Lukaku, like you know, true uh, uh, pure striker. And so this is going to be this going to be fun. I think um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Man U, man. Uh, a whole lot of rumors. Nothing really happened. <laughs> nothing really happened. I mean, um, I mean, Matic confirmed to go to Roma. Would Good. you guys get some pocket change Good there? You know? Right, right. Good. No, no, he really wasn't. He wasn't it. Um, De Jong, uh, rumors of him coming to Man U. That's going to be kind of nice, right? It's a little exciting. I it's, it's a little exciting. It was it was more exciting two years ago. Uh, but you know, it's it's still exciting now. Um, uh, it's still exciting now. I, I think De Jong, he was 
not used as much as as he could have been um in in, in Barcelona like I, I don't think he has, he has yet to achieve his potential I think he can be even better than what he showed so far he's still only 25 years old he's he's really just getting to his peak here um and so I I think you know we we lost we're gonna lose Pogba here um almost Actually, no, 100%. We're going to lose Pogba here. Um, so we need another midfielder. Um, and I, I think Dayong has the good mix of he's already at a, a high stature player who is very good in quality with still more room to grow um, in, into his role. So I, I think he would be a great idea. I, I would love to have Dayong uh, on the team. Yeah, Dayong is also one of those names. Um... Another one is uh, Christian Eriksen. Uh, Christian Eriksen, it's, it's still up in the air. I mean, of course, he's going to be available on a free. Yep. Brentford, of course, is in the mix. Ah. And I'm sure, um, so, you know, Christian, I th- well, Christian Eriksen is, I think, definitely going to have a personal fondness for, you know, Brentford. I mean, they're the ones that kind of, you know, gave him a hand when he sure. really wasn't, you know, he wasn't the most credible, you know, option for a lot of teams. True. Like, half a year ago, right? People were not, so they were, a lot of teams were a little hesitant about giving him a shot and Brentford were the ones that said, hey, you know what? You know, I think we we, we believe that you'll be a, an asset for the team. And they took a risk on him. And so I'm sure he feels a little personal fondness to that, but there are teams knocking at his door. Manchester United, one of them. Uh, Tottenham also. Another one. Makes as well. Another one. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Christian Eriksen, man? Uh, he he's on a free he'll be on a free transfer so i say like why not what what literally what is the risk here um like at the worst he'll be he'll be some good depth um underneath uh bruno and you know at at his best he can be one of the best midfielders in in the entire in the entire league so Again, we haven't necessarily seen that level of play from Ericsson for a few years now. Uh, it's been a combination of right of maybe not the best, uh, maybe not the best environment or position, and also injuries uh, mostly have kind of derailed the the tail end of his career here. But he's still just thirty. He's really you know at his prime age in terms of soccer players, right? In terms of uh, their physical prime. So, I say like on a free transfer. Why the hell not? Would you not? Would you not go for this guy who his like market value? It was over a hundred million at some point in his career, right? Just a few years ago. So, I have I have no idea why they wouldn't give him a, a chance. Yeah, I think it's just a it's just a matter of. I think Erickson and whether how much he wants regular starter minutes. Um, I don't think he's going to be an everyday starter in Manchester United. I no. also don't think he's going to be an starter at Tottenham. Yeah, he would yeah. be an everyday starter at Brentford. Sure. Um, and so I think these are the things that he's considering. I'm sure. And it's interesting because the um, I don't know which journalist I, I read this um, from, but apparently he says. On the topic of Champions League, he says he would, of course, love to play there again, but it's not absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. And I think that was to address, you know, I think he wanted to cool the links with Tottenham, which is interesting. 
not necessarily saying that he doesn't want to go to Tottenham, but I think he's trying to attract as many suitors as possible. Um, so it could be a money thing too. Um, that, that's what sure I think. Like, I, I think right? it's him being uh, smart and trying to try to you know get as much money as possible here. I mean, yeah, as is as is per like you know uh, usual protocol with free transfers. Free transfers are going to be. You're going to pay less up front, but they're going to demand higher wages. And I think Erickson is trying to – interesting position, right? Because he's only, you know, had six months of, you know, regular football under his belt yeah. since, you know, what happened at the Euros last year. And yeah. so really, of course, you know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the assurance, I guess, that teams are going to get when looking at a guy like him, it's getting better, but it's still not, I think, you know, without question marks uh, for sure. So – that's going to be an interesting one to look at. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, another guy that that United is looking at for the midfield, Conte, from from Chelsea, Golo Conte. Um, obviously, he would he would fit uh, a good like he is. Hmm, how to put it? He wasn't very good last season. To be fair, um, he has one year left on his contract uh, with Chelsea. And but at the same time, he would be a good fit for the, for for the squad and in a position of need. Like, who do we really have other than what Scott McTominay, who is really more of an attacking mid, or at least that's how he tends to like to play. Uh, so without like Pogba, without Matic now, uh, we're left with Fred, I guess. Who is more of like the hold it down box to box, uh, kind of midfielder? It, that's not I. I would not feel comfortable starting Fred, uh, week in week out on on a top on a top tier squad. So I think Conte would be would be a would be a fine choice um, if we can get him for the right price. Um, it's just we'd have to hope that he kind of bounces back in terms of form. Yeah, I. I... It's I'm I'm having like a a little bit of a hard time getting a gauge on what philosophy is going to be because when I first heard him I like joined the team on what was anticipated to be a long term project you know you'd automatically think that he's going to start looking into young talent a little bit more but when he was asked about Cristiano Ronaldo I mean it is Ronaldo of course so you can't ever say that like you know I don't want Ronaldo on my team yeah. It, he definitely was really on board with, you know, keeping Ronaldo on the team. And I'm not sure, like, maybe he is, like, you know, going after a good mix of old talent, too. So Conte might be on his radar for sure, yeah. if that's the case. And um, I, I think also, the thing about, like, old players, new players, I think a lot of what's, like, missed in terms of the value of older players or more experienced players is... That, in my opinion, is if you want to grow your young talent, it's actually very important to have good, experienced players on your squad as well, because that's how your young players learn and grow and develop faster. Um, is by playing and training with those who are already better than them, who had already been in their position, who have years of experience playing in the in the highest levels of football. Like, that's how, in my opinion, is the best way to develop your young players. And so, to me, if, like, if your philosophy is such that you want to bring up and develop young players on a more, like, long-term basis, then having good 
um, experienced players is actually key to that as well. Just, that's just my two cents. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, during the big games, I mean, this is where experience is going to matter a lot. And we saw what lack of that can do to a team in Arsenal and their, you know, in, in, the, in the final weeks of their campaign where the inexperience definitely showed in terms of securing points in crucial games. And this is an Arsenal team, right, that didn't have a lot of positive role models. You know, they, they yep. started the season with, with uh, Obama Yang, who was stripped of his captaincy. And obviously the locker room was not in the greatest shape at some point, so much that they had to get rid of him straight yep. up. Um, not even cooping any kind of uh, compensation in return for his departure, he was just axed, and uh, and of course he went on to do well in Barcelona for a while. But you know, this is what you know having a negative locker room without you know any good experienced role models um, can do. And so, yeah, having a guy like Conte is going to be good, right? I, th I think I think it would be good, but yeah. it's just the price is going to be important for sure. That's right. That's right. Um, Speaking of Arsenal, man, um, Arsenal's going after probably one of, I think, one of the more interesting transfers. Not in terms of, you know, you know name, brand, but Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus, Jesus, right? He is being sought by a lot of different teams in different leagues. And this is a guy that doesn't get a lot of starter minutes on City, despite yeah. being perhaps the closest thing they had to a true striker. Although it's not saying much. Um, I mean, wh wh where do you see him at landing and where would be best? I mean, and notably, this comes after Arsenal sells Lacazette to, to, to Lyon. Um, so they have a right. need for, for striker here. So they're going to be looking at uh, probably a few guys here, um, including Jesus. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where, what the best place for a guy like Jesus would be. Um, he's clearly showed that he has immense talent. Like, I'm talking, he could be the best striker in, in the league. He could be a top goal scorer in the league level of talent if he can, you know, stay consistent and, and stay healthy over the course of the season. That's the, the in, my, in my eyes, that's the level of talent uh, that he has. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, I, I guess the Arsenal could, could be a good fit. Um they they've shown that they that they're 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 ready to play now with some of their young players having developed um and and grown into grown into uh, capable starters in, in the league last season um and and Jesus again he's only 25 years old he's he's still quite young um and and has plenty of time to develop further um, I think it could be a good fit for a young Arsenal team that's looking to kind of develop some of their star players together um, and, and grow them. So kind of similar to maybe like what Liverpool did with with the, the with the big three that I was talking about earlier, right? Um, so I, I think that could be a good place. Um, maybe I mean obviously one of one of the other suitors is, is Tottenham, right? Um, and. I, but I feel like if he goes to Tottenham, it's just he's kind of in the same same place that he was in with, with City. Like, uh, unless Kane get Harry Kane gets injured, 
how often are you starting for that team? Question mark. I think without a doubt, Arsenal needs him the most. Yeah, yeah. But he doesn't need Arsenal the most. Yeah, I agree. And I actually am going to make the case that he would be better off playing for Spurs. Because he's not going to replace Kane. He's going to fight for, fight for Kulisevsky's spot. And Kulisevsky, let's not... I'm not going to... You know, Kulisevsky had an amazing short stint while he was here. And, and I think that if he is going to be the everyday star next season, I'm more than happy. But Jesus, like you said, I'm not, I'm not as, quite as high on him as you are. I think like he's going to be a top, like best in the Premier League talent. You know, yeah. Not that level. But I think he was definitely being underutilized City. Um, partly because that's just that team is just too good. It's just too good. Yeah. And yeah. he could be he could be starring alongside Harry Kane and Son. And the reason why I think he would be an excellent fit with Spurs is because he has that very hardworking press. You know? Sure. Sure. He's almost like a, a refined, better version of Lucas Mora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Better at finishing. Better at finishing. Equally hardworking. He's got the pace. He's got the dribbling. You know, we saw like moments of brilliance with Lucas Moore, but if we bring in a guy like Jesus, we're going to see that more on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think that's why I think Jesus is an excellent fit for Spurs. I, think. I can see that. And he may not start 38 games. I, that's definitely not going to be the case, but he's going to start enough games. And don't forget, Tottenham's got Champions League football. So why would Jesus want to go to Arsenal? Why would he want to do that? This is the Spurs squad that is on the rise. Why do you want to go to Arsenal? Where, by the way, yes, they're young, but breaking into top four in this league, you can't just do that based off of forecasting young talent to get better. You have to make concrete moves to improve that squad. And so, and so until that happens with Arsenal, I mean, I don't see it because Chelsea's going to still be back. Yep. They still have more than enough squad talent. Tottenham's going to be there. Of course, Liverpool and City are still probably locks on most people's yep. forecast to be number one and two in whatever order. And so what is Arsenal going to do? How are they going to make the Champions League? Are they going to win the Europa League? I don't know, man. They could. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think interesting. But um, one more thing about Tottenham. Uh, they, it is almost a done deal. Yibazuma. From Brighton, coming in on a on what I thought was a very cheap transfer fee, of what is reported twenty five million pounds, and this is a beast. This guy is a beast. Like I think every time I've seen Brighton play, he has always been one of their best players, if not the best on the pitch. Yeah, every single game that I've seen. Yep. Um, he's got size. He's got athleticism. He's got pace. So he's got he's 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 got that like boss the midfield kind of you know playing style. Uh, his his shots a little wild. I, I I've seen him like absolutely sky it a little bit too many times from the liking. But I think, but he's taking those shots because he plays for Brighton, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, he's not going to need to shoot. So I think I think this is going to be an excellent addition. Of course, he's got a little bit of legal issues um, going on that. Um, Probably are the reason. It probably I think is the reason why Brighton was trying to cash in very quickly on a cheap deal. Sure. Um, but let's not make any mistake. This is not this is not a Cleveland Browns Deshaun Watson situation. <laughs> um, 
definitely um, a lot of people are saying that Daniel Levy definitely knows something that the public doesn't know about what's going on in the situation or else he would not have made this kind of deal. And you know what? I believe it because that's, that's just how Daniel Levy is in terms of business. He's extremely penny pinching and very conservative. And so I don't think he's going to go out and make a risky move like this. And so um, obviously, you know, uh, this is still an open inquiry on uh, his legal situation, but um, I I have to think that, you know, there's something going on that we, and um, we'll kind of have to, you know, keep tabs on it, but 25 million, that is a very cheap deal, right? Uh, You know, like just the playing and, and his performance and the quality that he has considered, excellent deal. Yeah, and a potential you know, starter, really like, good. pretty good. Definitely starter. I think, you know, I think one of those guys that, um, you know, playing on like with some improvement because he's still 25, right? Yep. You know, uh, in a couple of years, he could be one of the best players I think, right, right, in yeah. the league as well. So um, I think, I think ceiling wise, he is definitely the best already on Tottenham. I think ceiling-wise, he has a bit better ceiling than Hoiberg, um, just in terms of the athleticism and power um, and dribbling. I think he also has a higher ceiling than Pentancourt, so uh, exciting, exciting move. Exciting. Uh, any other uh, transfers you want to talk about? Potentially Richarlison to Spurs? Yeah, Richardson's an interesting one, right? I, I think um, for me, if Jesus doesn't work out, Richardson's backup. That's what I think. Yeah, um, okay. I like uh, Richardson's too much of a locker room cancer. <laughs> I, I think he's too much of a locker room cancer. But the thing is, is I it could very well be the case that he joins Spurs and Conte just whips him up into shape. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. Which is probably likely what would happen, and I think that's probably why Spurs are even considering this, is because they truly are confident that Richarlison is not going to misbehave um, on the squad. Um, and Richarlison, we can't deny, right? He, he was a productive player consistently in the Premier League. Um, and he's... Kind of salvaged the Everton campaign. Yeah, like, he he's, was there he's actually really good, in my opinion. Like, I think he's, he's underrated for, for how good this guy is. Yeah, I, yeah, Richarlison, I think, is... Yeah, I, I, I rate Jesus a little bit more, especially yeah, yeah, for yeah. the style of play that's all Um, And I think Jesus is the kind of guy that will slot in a lot better as a complementary piece to Kane and Son. Um, and Richarlison, I think, is more like a guy that will be coming in to play rotational minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's true, but, man, he, you know, like, this guy has been on the Brazil international team for, I don't know how long, but he's played more matches than any forward not named Neymar and Jesus. Yeah, he's right there, yeah, but he's, also, he's really like, good. I mean, this is also kind of a, an era of Brazilian football where the forward position is thinner than we've seen in past. True, true. But it's still, it's still like ahead of guys like Rafinha, Vinicius, Rodrigo. Uh, but Vinicius is going to change. I, <laughs> not gonna I, be no, I, Vinicius is definitely an age thing. Um, I think Rafinha too. I, I rate Rafinha. Well, actually, I don't know. 
Rafinha and Richarlison is pretty similar, I think, to me. I think Rafinha is maybe might be a little bit more quality. I don't know. Oh, They're kind of close. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Vinicius, without a doubt, though. Oh, oh yeah, like I mean, Vinicius is a, is a is a superstar now. Like he's yeah, he's he's, 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 he's elevated. Yeah. He's done what Jason Tatum could. Yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I cannot wait until next week, man. I'm right. man. I can't, uh, I can't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, last um, guy, last guy, last guy. Yori Tielemans. Last guy. Tielemans mm. from Leicester to Arsenal, potentially. Hasn't, hasn't been confirmed yet. Uh, but I think it's an interesting one because... It, Tielemans is another guy similar to De Jong, who I think had a lot of hype around him when he was younger, um, like as a Wunderkind, if you will. Um, but hasn't, in my opinion, he hasn't lived up to that hype, that level of hype at least. Um, not saying not saying that he was bad. I think, I think he has been quite good. It, it, not, but maybe not just like a superstar in in the league yet. Um, Maybe moving to a slightly bigger cl- club gives him an opportunity to kind of fill into into that potential. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's still young. He's such he's such he's such an Arsenal signing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And here's why I say that because he's he has undeniable talent. He's a yeah. great player. Yeah. But like much of Arsenal, he just has moments of just you know unbelievable lapses in judgment (laughs) and that's what and and of course the most obvious one that comes to mind is the giveaway um Tottenham versus Leicester at King Power Stadium this year where he just feeds the ball right to Hoiberg which ends up leading to the the Steven Bergwijn double which turns a game from what Leicester looked like they were holding on to holding on to in stoppage time to flipping it right up, uh, upside and Leicester ends up losing that game. And so yeah. I think, I mean, and, and Tielemans just played it unbel- Like, I don't even know what he was thinking. It's like, why is he trying to play progressively? Yeah, I don't know. He just lost <laughs> sight like, of it. I don't know. It's, and I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a symptom of, I think, you know, Kind of a concerning problem, I think, about Tielemann. This is why I don't really rate him that highly. Is that he is he's quality with lapses, and honestly, very costly lapses is what it, it what it feels like to me. And so, right. it feels like an Arsenal signing. I'm not that big on him, but you know, and, and if Arsenal want to pay sixty to get him, whatever. Right. I'm happy we're not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy we're not getting it. we're we're not even interested in him. So, yeah, um, uh, no, uh, let, let, let's talk about this uh this new MLS thing. Sure. Because I I think I think well well so here's a here's a headline right. Apple agrees to present uh to present all MLS matches starting 2023 for ten years. Ten years that they're gonna they're gonna host. All MLS matches on what I assume is going to be Apple TV, right? Yep, that's right. And and we're and we're seeing this a little bit, right? Because I I think I start we start to see this with like you know I'm you know showing some NFL games here and there. You know a lot of these streaming companies 
getting exclusive rights to broadcast games. And of course, you know, it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit unpractical and not feasible to expect one of these streaming companies to like scoop up all the NFL games. Cause that is just, <laughs> that's obviously way too much. Yeah. But you know, MLS games obviously is a much smaller, you know, investment in terms of, you know, absolute dollars. And so Apple's obviously able to secure this, but it's still 10 years, which is a lot. And I have to say, you know, I'm not sure. I really wonder what the performance was for, you know, streaming companies like Amazon to get rights to the NFL games. And what was the benefit from that? And sure. I'm sure that was part of, you know, the research behind, you know, how Apple came to this decision. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on it in general? And I mean, does it move the needle at all? I mean, because just to provide some background for the, the listeners, we don't watch MLS, right? <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. And if being on Apple TV will, does not make me more interested in MLS by any means. Um, that being said, I, I think it's interesting because it's really... Um, I think both the Amazon getting like Thursday Night Football um, and then this move by Apple TV... You know, I, I, I think of it more of like as an investment for for Apple and Amazon in, all right, like they have no experience doing broadcasting. They have no experience doing TV. It's not in their wheelhouse. It's not in their list of, of core competencies um, as a business. Like this is talking for like as a business. And so it, it makes sense that like they would be willing to make like a small bet, right? A small investment on like relatively small. I mean, it's still like, what is it? 10, like billions of dollars, right? It's, billion over 10 years. Um, So like a relatively small investment in in giving not only MLS a chance, but also giving themselves a chance to see like how well they can develop their their broadcasting um, capabilities and how much success they can have in, in that area that they have never really dabbled in before. And I think it's because, like, I think we're going to see more and more of this as we go forward. In fact, I'm surprised that, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Google slash YouTube, because Google owns YouTube, um, wasn't involved in talks here um, as well. Because, uh, like, I see that the big tech companies, Facebook, Apple, um, Amazon, Google, uh, I see them to be kind of wanting to get into other industries and, and other areas of business. And that's what they've been doing, right? Amazon bought Whole Foods. They just bought it straight up and they had nothing to do with groceries before. And now they have this whole thing where they deliver groceries to you, right? Using Amazon. Um, like that's a whole new business that they like kind of just, just sprout up out of nowhere. Um, Google does a million different things other than their search engine. Their search engine is their core, but they have a hundred million other things, services that they get into, including things like automated cars, right? Which you would think that aren't really in their wheelhouse, and yet they're going there. Apple, you know, you, you can see the pattern here, really, with, with all these big tech companies who are really diversifying their business. And I think that, that, that broadcasting and TV media is just another... Um, aspect that they would like to kind of get into. And this MLS deal is a good example of Apple kind of dipping their toe into the waters, uh, testing the waters to see how they hold up 
how they can develop, what is the industry like, et cetera. Yeah, it's it's almost like this kind of deal almost feels like a like just a big corporation almost buying out right a small company. Of course, it's going to be a rental more like right. Yeah, just ten yeah. years. But it's almost like this is already a self-sustaining you know business in MLS that Apple just needs to you know just put the cash down and say just do your thing on our platform and you know see how that works out. It, it, it's 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 not that much effort I don't think to really maintain it because it already is right. Well, so that's the uh, interesting thing is actually, um, it, it actually it, it's it's interesting because. People, there was there was some level of skepticism um, about how much money MLS would be able to get for their TV deal um, because of the the relative lack of popularity compared to the other big sports in in America. Right? Um, there were there was not a lot of interest from your big channels, NBC, CBS, Fox for the MLS's uh, rights, like broadcasting rights. And so there was a, a third level of skepticism around whether or not they would even get to get, you know, $200 million for a deal um, for, for their broadcasting. And, and here they are, you know, getting more than that in just one year um, from only Apple. And, and mind you, this is, this is just for domestic broadcasting rights. They can still go international and sell those international rights as well. Um, in addition, they're also in talk with ESPN to do kind of like a joint uh, sort of broadcasting. ESPN won't get like all the games like Apple TV is getting, but they'll get like a, a healthy amount of the games and they'll split some of the other games as well um, with Apple TV if if the ESPN deal goes through as well. So in, in, in any way, like this Apple deal is really like a confirmation and a validation for MLS saying, Okay, there is money to be had here. Um, because, like, you have to think about, like, the MLS. It's interesting because the MLS is kind of maybe, my, is my speculation, but kind of been propped up by the rich owners. Uh, because, like, think about the, the big stars that we brought over. Um, stars that are obviously, like, old in age and, and no longer playing at, at, at the top level. Um, but still big stars that MLS teams were giving big money to, despite the fact that they didn't even have a $200 million a year TV deal in place, like at the time, like this is like several years ago. Right. And so like, and, and MLS popularity wasn't even that big at the time. So I can't personally imagine that the MLS teams were making a lot of money, like profit wise. If at all, like I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of MLS teams were in the red um, operating for before this broadcasting deal was signed. But this kind of gives them an opportunity to say, OK, this is the amount of money that that the MLS can realistically bring in from broadcasting. And then we may see then, you know, a, a level of kind of shifting uh, financial like. Um, like I, I call it financial sobriety of like, okay, we, we need to kind of wake up and level set on the amount of money that we can really spend on these MLS teams, given that this is the, like, this is kind of like the benchmark of revenue, right? This TV deal is kind of like the benchmark of expected revenue for the league. Okay. Now based on this, 
how much can we afford to spend on our team, on our stadium, on all these other things that are related to uh, having an ML uh, having a soccer club. Um, and so we might see some some level of shakeup. Who knows? Uh, it really depends on like how much the owners are are willing to hemorrhage money. I, I think at this point. Well, I mean, I definitely can see a lot of MLS teams, you know, uh, licking their lips at a potential Cristiano Ronaldo site because I can see that happening any year now. It's no Messi's not too far off either. I I really wonder if that was part of the consideration with this deal. It, it's definitely right? possible. It's definitely possible. You know, because uh, I mean, those are the two big names that. You know, the biggest names that we've had in, you know, 20, 30 years, right? Yeah. And to this day, they are the most recognizable, even well past their primes. They are the most recognizable names in 100% in soccer. So, you know, um, both of them coming to, you know, the MLS definitely in the next 10 years. Yeah. Like, imagine, imagine that, like, one going to New York and one going to LA and, like, reigniting, yeah. reigniting the rivalry. Like, that would be some hype. I think. I think even European fans would would want to watch when those two teams play each other. If if it was Messi on one side and Ronaldo on the other. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that. That would. Um, yeah, I would. That would make me go go watch it. Yeah, I would. I, I would want to like like actually like go get tickets and like watch the game live. Like that's that's the exactly right. Yeah. 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 Um, and and then also, it, it, I'll just mention this in the backdrop of all of this is the 2026 World Cup, which is going to be co-hosted by the U.S., Mexico, Canada. Um, so this kind of like ramps up to that. You know, it's this is kind of the MLS opportunity to get the uh, the U.S.'s eyes on soccer um, as a sport as we ramp up to this World Cup that is going to be co-hosted by the United States. Um, so it, it's, it's a really big opportunity for the MLS. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I mean, if we think about the last, I mean, even this this year, I mean, the U.S. are in the World Cup, and with what, what I believe to be their strong, a squad that was even stronger than when they had, you know, for one summer, turned some heads, right? Yeah. The last time they were in the World Cup, they put up a, you know, they put up a respectable run and this squad looks even better than that. So, I mean, why, why can't the hopes be just as good, if not better? So sure. I think, yeah, this, if things go right, I think, you know, this will be a period, I think where soccer is going to have increased viewership. And so this is, I think it'd be an interesting deal. I'm going to keep an eye on it, but yeah, you're right. I'm not going to be watching. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is I think if I, if I had Apple TV, I would actually consider it. I would actually. Um, you know, I mean, it's kind maybe. of fun. Like, I, I guess I could, like, just, like, turn it on if I, if I had Apple TV already. But apparently it's going to be um, not just, like, an Apple TV Plus thing, like you just get with Apple TV Plus, but it's going to be, like, a, a separate service that you have to buy within Apple TV in order to get the game. Oh. Yeah, it's just, like, uh. that's a lot of hoops to kind of jump through um to get access to all the of course they're gonna be like a limited number of games available to just like apple tv to apple tv plus subscribers and then they're gonna be a, a smaller limited number of of games available for free to anyone who has apple tv 
Um, but again, it, it'll be a limited number. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not holding my breath. It's like NBC Sports and Peacock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Luckily, I mean, I already had Peacock, and I also my credit card like gives me Peacock credit for free, so like it doesn't matter for me. Like I I watch all the EP, I get all the EPL games anyway. But yeah, I would. Like if I didn't have that, then I would not be paying for for Peacock just to watch those games on there. I mean, it's, it's not a crazy amount. I mean, I'm not sure how much they're gonna like. For yeah, it's not crazy. It's not crazy. It's like Netflix. I'm yeah, it better not be a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's too much. What are you talking about, man? Netflix amounts like Netflix. Now that now these are charging like fifteen right now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Peacock is fifteen. I want to say at least uh, the Peacock like. Plus or whatever, like the one without the ads. I think you could get the most basic one in your. Yeah, you can get the most basic one for five bucks or something. Yeah, I think that's you could probably do that. Anyways, any case. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, that's about it. All right. Well, I think that's gonna conclude this one. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, well, we're gonna have a loaded podcast next week, so make sure you tune in for that one. Hell yeah. Uh, and as always, keep it 111. All right, see you guys out. Week.